Well, like I said, the trip is over, and I had a great time, besides not watching my football team win. It was an incredible experience, and I count myself very blessed to have met my birth family, especially my birth brother. Um, not especially, but um, considering how close we are, it's uh, I'm just and the trip we just had together. It was a super f- quick trip that we're. I think we're gonna now make it annual, but uh, just such an incredible experience to say that six years ago, six and a bit years ago, I didn't know my older brother. Um, and so I spent 25 years without an older brother. Um, and now that I have, well, have two older brothers, but my oldest brother now is one of my closest friends in the world and, uh, that I got to spend eight hours on the highway with him going one way and eight hours back and share a hotel room and enjoy a sporting event, something that we love so much. Um, I even thought it was funny because we both are the same in that if our sports team wins, we're on top of the world. And we were laughing because there was a wedding at the hotel and said like, oh, if we would have, if the riders would have won, we would have just been going nuts and probably would have crashed the wedding. And by crashing, I mean, we wouldn't have done anything because we're nicer than that. But we would have gone out and, you know, had a celebratory drink and... You know, just worn our our green colors loud and proud, and yeah, made a bit of a ruckus. Um, but since, but then when we lose, we like literally we just sulked all the way back to the hotel. And anytime anyone in red had something snarky to say, if they said something nice, we we're fine. But if they said something snarky, then we immediately would just like rah 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 rah, rabid dogs on raw squirrel meat or something like that. We were just right on it with comebacks and uh, went back to the hotel, took off our green stuff. Doesn't mean we're not fans. We just, it just made us so sad. So we uh, took off the stuff, ordered pizza, watched some Tom Cruise movie and yeah, just basically ate pizza and went to sleep Um, because when our teams lose, it ruins the rest of the day. It's a dander. Um, uh, Both of our wives hate that. Uh, about us, but that's that's the reality. That's that's what they married into, and apparently it's genetic. So yeah, that was uh, the rough part. But it was it was great to spend time with someone who's a lot like me, and yet I learned new things about my adoption with him. Learned new things about him. Learned new things about my mom, and it was just it was so awesome. And we got to laugh together, nearly cry together. And, you know, we talked about life and faith and family and all sorts of stuff. And these are the moments that, regardless of how this outcome happened in sports, we, man, I got to spend time with my older brother. And and I am super lucky that I got that opportunity and that I could say that I have someone that I'm that close with um, that's blood. And it probably didn't hurt that we skipped all the growing up together. Um part but because we still do fight that's for sure but not it's not quite the same right there's no there's no baggage from from being younger and I yeah I just have to say I'm super grateful for that experience and now it sounds like we're going to try to do this as a yearly thing um and obviously um, bring the other Nathan who's a big rider fan 
along for the ride, but, uh, yeah, just this, this year was in, this week, or the week, it, it seriously, it felt longer than it was, but it was, uh, basically a 24-hour trip, um, and it was incredible, I, I'm super fortunate, and if you guys have the opportunity, if you have family that you get to do that with, I'm super stoked for you, if not, I really hope that you find a relationship like that, because, those things just can't be beat in life as having having family or somebody who's either a brother or a sister or someone who you're close with like that. And because of the joy that this thing brought me, you know, take those risks. Put yourself out there and do something fun and random. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive like it, was for, it wasn't for us. Um, get out there and do something fun with someone you love. As this uh, podcast or anchor station, whatever you want to call it, is primarily, it's about all sorts of aspects of my life, but primarily about my my uh, journey as a dad of two young daughters through chronic pain in life um, and all the effects that has on everything in life, whether that's physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, um, any other old that you can think of, like these are that's what this is about and I have to say that even though a a short road trip like this would seem like insignificant to most I have to say that I'm grateful too to my wife who who said like you go and you go and have fun because this is um something you deserve and you need and I know that's a first world problem a first world thing to believe that it's something I need or whatever because that's just not true but at the same time for my own like I just feel much happier that I got to do something like that and it was just such a as I got to laugh a ton and crack jokes with my brother and just be able to progress in that journey with him that it just allowed me to get rest and relaxation even just the driving process I wasn't moving my arms so my shoulder got some rest and getting to laugh like laugh therapy is a real thing for sure and I got to experience that over the last 24 hours and to get to do that was super special and, and I find that I came back feeling more rejuvenated and getting to see my daughters made me super joyful as well even though I barely was away from them um, just getting away sometimes and laughing and just kind of it's not like you're you're abandoning and this is something that I discussed with my brother going away for a little bit or taking care of your own your own person, your own taking care of yourself isn't. You should feel guilty about it all the time. Obviously, if you abuse it, yes. But going away like this, you're saying like, don't feel guilty about this. This is important for you. And as you take that break for your own mental health, and I talked about this about mental health in the workplace last week. But even for stuff like this, it's taking a break, kind of from. And I realize that not everyone can do this, but I I just want to share that I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to go quickly that my wife sacrificed in that way and that my in-laws watched the girls when my wife was working and I was gone um kept the girls for a sleepover so that I could do this because it really just was so good for my soul and I told my sister-in-law that that uh I know it's not a necessity but that I just am feeling so much more 
refreshed and and ready to deal patiently with the girls um, in the next days, weeks, whatever. Um, that this is just such a good experience. So um, that's part of the process too. Is just uh, was deciding to do this because I do feel guilt about leaving my wife and in-laws to deal with the kids for a bit because I feel like that's my responsibility as someone on disability who's unable to work and and I feel guilt too because even though I'm unable to work and with the girls that I'm not actually able to give my everything to my girls or to my wife when I'm home I'm not able to do a lot of things around the house I have to pick and choose um assess the risk reward type thing if I do this I know I'll be serving my wife or having fun creating memories with my girls but I know the consequences later are going to be brutal so it's it's balancing that and I, and I feel like this trip was something that and this isn't to justify it I'm super stoked I did it but uh, it was something that that risk of like going and doing that and spending a little bit of money and taking time away from the girls just pushing that guilt away and saying like and I think this that as cheap and dumb as this trip was it was like um, it's gonna make me happier and uh, a better a better dad because I'm feeling more refreshed and joyful and a better son a better husband a better you know brother all these things so anyways just further thoughts on rambling nonsense on uh on that trip and what this has taught me on my journey with chronic pain. Hey man, just listen to your uh, Swift Current story. I'm just checking out uh, the Anchor app. Uh, I'm just seeing how this works. Just thought I'd chime in because I'm in Calgary. I live here. And uh, yeah, kind of funny story too. Every time it seems like that we do a road trip between Alberta and Manitoba, we inevitably run into somebody in Swift Current, or at least that's how it is in my mind. I know the last time I ran into somebody from high school there, and uh, I don't know, it just seems to be the, the kind of rendezvous point for meeting up with random people or having uh, an interesting interaction. So thought I'd chime in that way and uh, kind of see what happens out of this call-in. Later. Thanks for calling in. I'm not sure if I should be calling you Amen Amen because you're Canadian or Amen Emen. Like I do know some Emens, but uh, yeah, not sure. Either way, thanks for calling in uh, about Swift Current. And it totally is true. There's a whole lot of uh, weird things about Swift Current for me. That's actually where I was born. Um, it was in Swift Current and... Um, I never lived there because I was adopted, but was born there. And then uh, we frequently, whenever we travel, Swift Current's the place to stop. And in fact, the old heritage museum that is in, I think it's called the Mennonite Heritage Museum or something, um, or homestead, it's actually, that was my grandpa's house. Um, it wasn't in Swift Current originally, but they moved it via semi-trailer, and now it's a museum, so people can see what the first, some of the first homesteaders in the area were, uh, I think from Rhineland, Saskatchewan, or something like that. Anyways, that's, museum is apparently where my grandpa grew up, and I've gone there before, and they'll move the velvet rope and feed us FOSPA, 
Um, if any, if there's any Germans out there who understand that term, they would feed us Vaspa in the exhibit so people would be coming through the museum and watching me eat some watermelon and whatever else, whatever the German terms are for the, the foods we were eating. So anyways, it's, uh, yeah, Swift Current is a, it's kind of a weird place, it has a special place in my heart, but it, now that you mention it, it seems like a good rendezvous point for a lot of people and random but Swift Current Saskatchewan apparently it's a special place obviously because I was born there but for other reasons too today I want to do a little segment on part of my chronic pain journey especially in the area of healing and miraculous healing and even though it's been a long jaunt here why some of the reasons why I believe that that is still an option for me to experience miraculous healing and that is going to involve um, a story tell a story that I want to tell from my childhood and a miraculous healing that I was super fortunate to experience. Um, let's go. So when I was um, just about to start high school, when I was in uh, grade seven, I also got super sick and sick in the way that like I had like <laughs> chronic, chronic diarrhea. Just like I literally couldn't stop keep anything down. I would eat something and it would immediately vacate me. Um, to the extent that I, I couldn't consume anything really because I just felt so nauseous and sick and like I literally would poop like 200 times a day um, depending on what I ate um, and that was like every day like I it got to the point where I hadn't had a solid poop in months and months and it was super exhausting I had no energy I like I think it was in the span of a month and a half I lost about 50 pounds, um, I was just a stick, and we couldn't figure it out, so it started getting, the doctors were concerned, started doing some like pretty aggressive testing and stuff, and um, you know, the tests where they put uh, you know cameras down your throat, um, that's an endoscopy, and then getting cameras up the butt, um, which is colonoscopy, and eventually, when they checked out my intestines they saw that they were just like destroyed and said basically your intestines are destroyed we're gonna put you on some like heavy steroids and we've we found out that you have Crohn's disease and it's not curable it can go into remission but your you know your your intestines are already destroyed so basically you have a summer to um, enjoy yourself um, because I, I had signed up to volunteer and to go to camp um, and that was super important to me so they said you know like kind of have your last summer we'll give you these heavy steroids that they're gonna mess with you but um, it's not gonna fix anything because Crohn's does not have a cure but we're just gonna you know um, we're gonna come back in this in the after the summer we'll come back in the fall and we'll we're probably gonna give you a coloscopy bag and basically remove part of your intestines because they're they're done um so obviously as a kid sorry not grade seven grade eight because as a kid going to ready to go to high school i was like well this will help me get the chicks right i'm gonna end up having a, a 
poop bag attached to my side and not to mention just feeling like garbage and they just said you, you know basically because it's come on so aggressively you know we're just we're just trying to get you through um the next while and with the the prognosis prognostication prognosis whatever diagnosis isn't good because it's not going to cure you we're basically just looking for ways to make you comfortable and, and like prolong your life by you know but the average lifespan for this aggressive of Crohn's like we're hoping to you know help you survive 10 more years but these steroids are also gonna really mess with your body as well um, anyways so that was the news going into the summer and I was choked um, and not looking forward to the fall but just believing that that summer was going to be um, an important summer for me was just planning on going to this you know bible camp Kenosi Lake bible camp and enjoying myself and yeah that was uh, that was the start of the the story so we've done <clears throat> the appointments the doctors have confirmed that it's not looking good and that I'm going to have a rough road ahead of me. Needless to say, I went to go spend a bunch of the summer at Kenosi Lake Bible Camp and dreading how high school is going to turn out for me. Um, during that summer, you know, I, then I was especially struggling with my faith, thinking, you know, like, how could God do this to a kid like me? I was a good kid, raised in the church. Um, I was... I was kind of a goody two-shoes, like I didn't really, um, didn't really question things, didn't really a whole lot, just kind of went with the, the faith of my parents and just was always, you know, heavily involved in church and youth group, Sunday school, like that was kind of the, my upbringing and this, these things rattled me, this thing rattled me to my core and I was, you know, I was pissed off at God, I was, how could he do this to me? ruining my my life like basically it's a it's a de death sentence to an extent um and just discomfort until then so i was not pleased but unless i decided to go to bible camp and uh i remember the one week there was this uh teacher i don't remember her name but i even have her face from back then in my head i remember her and i guess first of all there's i had a ton of friends that were at camp with me because um, I grew up at, from a young age going to that camp and made, had f friends from the city who ended up going with me and friends from all over all over the province that I knew well from my camp days so ended up going there and uh, the one speaker was talking about healing I remember sitting near the back um, with my one buddy and surrounded with friends too and she was talking about that God healed that God cared about us and when we asked God to heal, um, if we had faith and it was in God's plans that he would heal us. And for me, I, you know, I didn't really believe that. I didn't because I'd said, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'd, I've asked God for healing and he said no. Um, I've said it, uh, asked over and over and over. I begged. My parents have cried over tearful prayers asking for healing and pastors have laid hands on me and asked for healing and, and it didn't happen and so whatever but there was enough people there that knew me and knew my struggles who said you know at the end they I could see they're all looking at me and I just started bawling because I was fed up and I was 
I was broken and I was with people I loved and I, I just started crying and uh, at the end they just basically grabbed me and like walked me up to the front and said like you need to pray for this our friend Dallas and uh, and so she prayed for me and asked God to heal me and I'll be honest I didn't feel anything magical I didn't start floating there's no light from heaven there was nothing like that um, and I still felt gross so um, and keep in mind up up to this point I hadn't had like a solid bowel movement like literally not a solid bowel movement in like six months so I ended up um, going to bed that night the and I was a, a leader in a cabin with uh, my one of my friends Kelly so next morning wake up didn't think anything of anything just I had a good sleep because I was so emotionally overwhelmed and exhausted from the night before so ended up um, getting up, going to the bathroom in the morning. Um, my friend Kelly and I walked there. We we're going to brush our teeth, use the bathroom for breakfast. Um, so we go in there. I sit in, there's always three stalls and this is weird details that I remember, but there's three stalls. There's stall one, stall two, and stall three. I would always go in stall two. He would always go in stall three. Weird, I know, but it's part of the story. And, uh, what happened next was pretty mind-blowing. Now, as I mentioned earlier, my friend Kelly and I went for our morning morning poop, and uh, well, for me, one of thirty, um, but which is pretty regular, um, as I was very regular. Touch, um, and I remember sitting there, and all of a sudden, it just hit me, and <laughs> I stood up, and I'm like, Kelly, get in here, and he's like what no way dude what are you talking about I'm like dude seriously come here and he's like dude I am NOT coming over into your stall that's weird I'm like no dude I promise you this is gonna blow your mind you have to come here and he's like all right dude and he walks over and no joke his face just drops and he his face goes like white as a ghost and he looks at me and I'm like crying in the stall, in stall number two. And he looks at he looks at me and he's like, holy crap. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, so I know there's a little joke there in the end, but the story's not a joke. I, I swear to you, this that is what happened. And I've never been more excited about a poop in my life because this was literally a holy piece of crap because it was it was solid and um, I my my buddy and I were were crying and laughing and celebrating in the middle of stall number two um, at Kenosi Lake. Um, it's a sacred place for me um, because of that. We I experienced healing now. Just to be clear, there's more. There is more to the story, um, more confirmation of God working in that way. But that day was super exciting, and I had more. I had less boobs, but more solid boobs throughout the day. And I remember I went and called from the kitchen phone, called my parents and told them, and they were super excited. And uh, and that this was the last week that I was supposed to be at camp before going back and checking in with the doctor. Now, the other cool part of this, do this story is when I 
got to go back and see the doctor for a follow-up visit. So the next step was going to back to the specialist after getting a colonoscopy again. And let me tell you, colonoscopies are not fun. It's where they stick a camera attached to a giant snake, basically up your butt. And it's they mostly have you knocked out for it the first time I was unconscious for it. And I woke up in the middle of it and it was complete and utter mayhem the second time. Um, they said, well, we're just sticking, it's just going up like five feet into your colon or whatever it was two feet then so we don't need to knock you out and it was wildly uncomfortable um so something i normally dreaded but this time i most certainly did not dread it because i knew i, I knew and i believed exactly what the doctor was going to find and it was going to blow everybody's mind that was aware of the situation so i went in and got the colonoscopy and then the next week I had booked appointment with the, or not next week, right after I went to go see with, see the, the doctor to discuss the results of what he found and what the next step would be. Now this doctor was not happy with what was going on. He was holding in his hands the results from the first colonoscopy and this one, or the second I guess, and this one. and. So the one before the summer and the one from after the summer and he, he was livid he was so confused and the whole time i'm just smiling um because i know that uh god has has healed me and that something miraculous has happened and at first he was asking these other doctors um and nurses on the unit to look again look again check his this has to be wrong this has to be the wrong old test and, and i and I remember telling him, no, like this, this is, is, it is what it is. And I said, well, whatever you're seeing is true. And he, and he said, no, you don't understand. Your intestines don't regenerate themselves. And, and what I'm seeing here is your intestines look brand, brand new before they were completely destroyed and we were ready to install a coloscopy bag. And now, now you've got brand new intestines and that's he said this that's not possible there's no explanation for that and I remember just looking at him smiling and looking at my mom and we're both just my mom's in tears and and smiling and sit and my mom said yeah like there is an explanation and it was God and the doctor didn't accept that and uh, I don't remember exactly what happened after that but basically there was no there's nothing more basically he said he didn't believe it he thought it was in remission that I would be in within the next couple of years and dealing with it but he still had no explanation for what he saw in those scans and why things turned out the way they were and you know here I am I mean I still if I eat spicy foods it punishes me and uh like I have mentioned before you know my body carries stress um in interesting ways but uh yeah i am i was healed and i have no doubt in my mind and that that isn't this is not to preach or to tell people they need to believe what i believe but this is when people ask me how i can be sure of an ex existence of god um i don't push it on other people but for my own story i i cannot deny it because i've been through 
through that that miracle and I, I, can't, I can't tell people what they need to believe if they have not experienced what I've experienced but I have to say that for myself if for me to ever claim to deny the existence of God um, whether or not the debate of whether or not he's good or not or all, all these other things is are different stories but the existence is something I can't deny because I've experienced miraculous healing from, from Crohn's disease Another instance of healing that I did experience before, too, was when I was actually younger and playing hockey. And as a kid from the prairies, from growing up in Saskatchewan, hockey's life and nothing else really matters, especially back then. That was what you did. It doesn't matter if you were any whatever you liked. You need you if you wanted to be a Saskatchewan kid, you played hockey. And there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You did whatever. You sacrificed anything to, to play hockey with the dream of one day making the NHL. I loved playing hockey as a kid. And even though I wasn't very good at it, it was just that's what I did. I made lots of friends through it. Um, I was okay. And it was just a lot of fun. And that's what I just believe I needed to do. So there's the one season when I was in elementary school and I... Something happened mid-season, and it was just weird because I, I had, for some reason, the nails on my big toes had uh, become ingrown just a little bit. So um, I didn't want to bother my parents with it, so I decided I was just going to get the nail clippers, and I cut them super short, like way too short. And uh, eventually, that like it worked for th- that little bit. But eventually those nails grew inward and became even more ingrown. Now, it started very little and innocent. um, And eventually it kept getting worse and worse. And the toes kept, the nails kept going. And I started to panic and became a little bit afraid. So I hid this fact from my parents. And that was a bad call, obviously. Um, I was a dumb, dumb kid. And... uh, the nails kept growing in into my foot, into my big toes, uh, to the point that my they got infected. And I'm not just talking about a minor infection. They got very infected. My big toes started to grow and expand and swell and turn like every color of the rainbow. There's lots of blood and pus coming out of them. And I was terrified. And I thought... I had done something terrible, so I just kept hiding it. So I eventually would find supplies to wrap around my toes, put them in the socks, and then even then, through band-aids and um, Kleenexes and all sorts of stuff like that, the blood and pus would pour through. So I eventually started hiding those socks, and I I would find money, my use my allowance money to go buy new socks. And then I, I had a giant garbage bag in my in my closet in my room filled with old bloody pussy socks that I was hiding from my parents. And uh, my feet were swelling so much that eventually I had to go buy, with my saved up allowance, new shoes um, because they wouldn't fit in my shoes anymore. Um, and at this point, I was just terrified that if something would someone would find out and then I wouldn't be allowed to play hockey that was the only thing in my mind at that point was that if somebody found out about this I'd need to play hockey or I wouldn't be allowed to play hockey I'd have to quit playing hockey for life or whatever so I pushed through the pain 
and tried to hide it the best I could, including this garbage bag full of bloody socks. Eventually, I had to double bag that bag because it started getting stinky. Um, I know this is really gross, but hold, stick with me here. So I had bought shoes that were like four times too big for me normally, but now my swollen, infected feet would fit in them. The one toe, the one big toe, uh, not a word of a lie, was about the size of my fist. Um, and eventually, the pain took took over and I was barely able to walk um, and then my detective parents um, were on the case so my mom found the socks and uh, she said that she noticed a really foul odor and was wondering what was going on so she searched the room until she found the bag of socks and she was quite upset quite panicked too about what was going on um so i proceeded to lie to her and said oh it's okay now i'm sorry i was just embarrassed about it but everything's good now the infection's gone i'm good so i lied to my mom and uh she she said she wanted to see and i insisted that it was all okay in which she said i still want to see it and eventually um she asked to see it and I showed her my feet and she was just taken aback. So she said, okay, I'm gonna book you in for an appointment. Um, first thing, as, as soon as I can get an appointment. Um, and I said, okay, okay, just let me play hockey tonight. We had a game that night. Um, and I'll, if you just let me play hockey tonight, I will go do what I need to do to, to get these looked after. And she, I guess she agreed to that. And uh, tried to play hockey that night but I couldn't even tie up my skates my skates would not fit so I didn't tie them up and then I just tried to tape them on I crammed my feet in there it was so painful I tried to skate and obviously with skates that aren't tied up they do not work um, so I tried to skate and my coach is like something's wrong um, you need to sit on the bench are you okay and I said I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I just I'll just play I'll just play I'm just feeling a little weird and my dad came over to the bench he's like let's go because um, obviously he was in cahoots, so to speak, with my mom. So they talked about it, and my dad took me to the dressing room, checked out the feet, said, let's go, we're going to the Emerge right now. So he took me to the Emerge, and an Emerge, the doctor took a look at my feet, and we're like, or the nurse um, and doctor took a look at my, my feet, and we're just appalled, and we're just like, like literally gasped, like, whoa this is the worst infection I've ever seen, which I know is super unprofessional, but that was the response I got. They said, this this is not okay. This doctor did not have social, really good bedside manners, social skills, so that's what his response was, which terrified me and my parents who were there with me. Um, said, yeah, you need to go see your family doctor, like, immediately. So that was the next day my parents got a hold of the family doctor I went in and saw my family doctor and she was same reaction I said it's not really that bad it doesn't hurt too bad because I, I was terrified so the easiest thing to do was lie so pulled off my socks and I get the same reaction she was mortified and just said this is not good um, we need to get you in to see a foot specialist immediately a podiatrist so um, she booked an emergency appointment with a podiatrist and then I can't remember if it was the next day or a couple days later I went in and to see this podiatrist and sitting in there his office he was uh, 
I remember him being really kind and friendly and happy and like, okay, so here you got a bit of an infection. Um, let's take a look of it at it. And I'm like, at this point, I'm, I'm terrified and I know that something's gone terribly wrong. So I, I've talked to him and I've said like, it's really bad. I'm really sorry. It's really bad. It's really bad. And he's like, oh, I've I've been doing this for 20 years, so um, guaranteed it will not surprise me. It won't. Nothing will shock me. And as I took off my my socks and my jumbo shoes. Um, he gave me the exact same reaction, and I got a huge gasp, followed by, we need to do something about this immediately. So the podiatrist told me that he was going to need to do an operation immediately on my feet um, to first of all try and remove the infection and then try and kind of rebuild the, the toe with some whatever, adjusting the skin and the, the nail and stuff, um, he basically told me he couldn't promise anything because this was the worst infection he's ever seen in a foot in his 20 plus years after telling me nothing would shock him. So um, he had to start by putting my and the next step would be having to uh, stick some needles into my foot to first of all put my foot to sleep so he can cut into it secondly to try and reduce the infection and thirdly to kind of discover how far the infection is spread because at this point it wasn't just the big toes but throughout my foot and he was afraid it was going into the leg so on the one foot one foot was slightly worse than the other but they were both nasty the one foot he said he had to inject 11 times the amount of um, sedative or whatever into it to numb my foot for the procedure and so the needles were going all that he had to put them up my leg way up into my leg I couldn't even feel the needles in my foot because of how bad the infection was but in order to get the area numb the infection had spread so much that he had to put 11 times the amount into the one foot um, and the other foot he had to put nine times as much as what typically would put a foot asleep so and basically the numbness um, once he got them to work he had to it was all the way up to my up to my groin everything was asleep um, which normally would not be required but um, the infection was so bad and this did not look positive for the outlook of recovery either um, eventually he had stated that once he'd got in there and kind of tried to remove some of the infectious infected tissues tissue and and uh, whatnot that he had said that it did not look very good he said that the infection I let it go so far that it, it looked like I would probably lose my big toes and maybe my foot and hopefully not but there's a chance of the, losing the leg so this terrified me and I felt like an idiot for hiding these this slight all it started out as was an ingrown toenail and I let it get way carried away all for the sake of hockey um, I can laugh about it now because just spoiler alert I still have my legs um, so he told me that I'd have to come back in a week he bandaged up my feet real good and just said come back in a week and we're gonna check check on the feet and see if the infection is spread or got worse or any better um, but yeah basically stay off your feet as much as possible here's the meds 
here's, you know, I want you to keep track if you feel this come in, we're going to merge immediately and get them to page me, stuff like that. So he said basically come back in a week. So a week later, um, I didn't notice any big difference, um, went in, took off the bandages and he did not look too hopeful. He said the infection, the good news is it hasn't spread but it also hasn't reduced and he you know, poked my leg in numerous places to see if the numbness was still there from where he in injected, basically signifying that the infection was still taking over my nerves. and. Yeah, he said it's the infection hasn't spread, but you don't have feeling in there. You, for sure, will not have feeling in your f feet, in your one foot for sure. Probably not the other one. And we still are looking at this point. It's a dangerous infection, and amputation is looking a lot more likely. Um, but he said we will give it one more week, and then we will consider. Um, our options and he's just said just to prepare you that likely this is gonna require amputation of something if uh, hopefully we can limit it to the toe if not to the feet or and hopefully avoid losing part of the leg but that is the extent of this that's how serious this situation is um, needless to say my mom and I my mom is the one who took me um, my mom and I were bawling and not pleased so went home and my mom proceeded to pray for me and said you know what God cares about you and I was at a young age and I really did not I guess age has nothing to do with it really but I didn't believe that God really knew me or cared about me and especially didn't give a rip about my big toes, um, something as little as that, and especially when it was my foolishness that had caused this, I just did, didn't think he cared, or that he even knew my name or anything about me. So I believe that he existed, but didn't see him personally, or that he was really involved in anything in the world besides making it and kind of leaving it type thing. So um, I did not hold too much hope out of it, but. Um, my mom did, and she prayed and prayed and prayed fervently for God to heal my toes. Um, and talking with her in the years following that, um, I learned more about how hard and she prayed and fasted for this healing. So I ended up, uh, yeah, believing that I was going to lose something or some things in the next week but uh, went back the next week and sat there in eager anticipation for the doctor to remove the bandages and tell me the bad news and so a week later um, I didn't notice any big difference um, went in took off the bandages and he did not look too hopeful he said the infection the good news is it hasn't spread but it also hasn't reduced and he you know poked my leg in numerous places to see if the numbness was still there from where he in injected basically signifying that the infection was still taking over my nerves and yeah he said it's the infection hasn't spread but you don't have feeling in there you for sure will not have feeling in your f 
feet in your one foot for sure, probably not the other one, and we still are looking at this point, it's a dangerous infection, and amputation is looking a lot more likely. Um, but he said, we will give it one more week, and then we will consider um, our options, and he's just said, just to prepare you, that likely this is going to require amputation of something. If uh, Hopefully we can limit it to the toe, if not to the feet, or and hopefully avoid losing part of the leg, but that is the extent of this, that's how serious this situation is. Um, Needless to say, my mom and I, my mom is the one who took me, um, my mom and I were bawling and not pleased. So, went home and my mom proceeded to pray for me and said, you know what, God cares about you. And I was at a young age and I really did not, I guess age has nothing to do with it really, but I didn't believe that God really knew me or cared about me and especially didn't give a rip about my big toes, um, something as little as that, and especially when it was my foolishness that had caused this, I just did, didn't think he cared, or that he even knew my name or anything about me, so I believe that he existed but didn't see him personally or that he was really involved in anything in the world besides making it and kind of leaving it type thing, so um, I did not hold too much hope out of it, but... Um, my mom did, and she prayed and prayed and prayed fervently for God to heal my toes. Um, and talking with her in the years following that, um, I learned more about how hard and she prayed and fasted for this healing. So I ended up, uh, yeah, believing that I was going to lose something or some things in the next week but uh, went back the next week and sat there in eager anticipation for the doctor to remove the bandages and tell me the bad news. The moment of truth is here and with very little hope for myself uh, went into the doctor with my mom and the doctor started to remove the bandages and when the doctor um, pulled the bandages off, I saw the same or similar look of sh complete and utter shock that I saw when uh, he first, when I first met him and he removed the bandages and my heart immediately sank but um, my he was speechless and my mom had asked, had said, what is it doctor, you know, like tried to find out why he was speechless and had this look on his face and he said and he just looked amazing he's just shaking his head and he said this you I don't know what happened but your feet went from the single worst infected feet I've ever seen in my 20-year career to a completely healthy pair of feet in in the span of a week and he said I this doesn't make any sense and my mom my mom as she did um, faithfully believe that God could do this, she she teared up and said, "I, this it was God, it was God, um, and that's the only explanation." And the doctor said, "I don't know what God you serve, but uh, 
it's pretty amazing what he's done here today. And uh, yeah, he said, I'm not convinced you're out of the woods yet, but uh, you know what? Be fortunate because, and then he started poking my feet um, with that same metal prod he'd done before to check for infection and the, the spread. And he said that the infection was, was gone and, uh, and I had feeling in my feet. So um, after all of that, I still, I have like probably the ugliest toes you've ever seen um, or obviously haven't seen them because I can't show them to you on anchor but I still have incredibly ugly ugly toes but to me they're beautiful because I still have them and I still have feet and I still have legs and I've been able to play hockey for years and not have infections in my ugly feet um, so yeah um, that is my story of healing with my toes and that I got to keep the ugly little buggers Now those stories, more than anything, are probably the best, at best a reminder to myself. Um, I believe I need to share them with people to be faithful in uh, telling stories of what, I, what God has done for me. But uh, in the middle of my chronic pain journey, which seems to stretch on forever and ever, and is quite defeating at times, um, this is one of the reasons, those stories are the reasons why I believe that God can and does perform miracles and that uh, I believe that God will when when this situation is, is figured out that he will play a big part in it now this is not to say that I will experience miraculous healing in, in the ways that I did with my feet and uh, with the Crohn's disease but that is to say that uh, he, he will be a part of it and whether that's helping provide for me to go to the Mayo Clinic and get help from doctors or whether it's one day I wake up and I'm pain free I believe that that'll be part of the story and that is why I believe that uh, big reasons why I believe in God and why I believe that he does care about even little things um, and that's again not to say that it's easy to believe or that there's an easy answer ever but uh, just that I have to remind myself to keep him part of the process and trust that he's going to teach me things through this and in the end, I believe as, as I'm faithful to him, um, that he's going to be faithful to me and again, not making life easier or necessarily even healing me um, miraculously, but that that is an option and that he's powerful enough to do so. Anyways, that is uh, just a really important part of this chronic dad story that I wanted to share with anyone who will hear it.